then. Children of the night, what music they make. Welcome to Fear the Talking Queers. We're back! Well then, who the fuck are you? Hosted by Jake Sines and Frankie Corona. It's showtime, bitches. Ooh, I love scary movies. Don't forget to rate me five stars. Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. This is so weird. We are back for season six. Yeah, something that I honestly was not positive was going to happen. Honestly, I wasn't sure either. Our schedules have been so crazy. We've been going through different things, different life experiences. And we were like, honestly, Jake and I had a conversation where we were literally like, I don't think we can make it work. I don't think it's going to happen. But then we were like, October? Yeah, I mean, we. I think we were sort of conceding to maybe we didn't have the time to do this anymore. But right. during this break of time, not much of a break, we were both obviously very busy and going through things, but um, I was listening to old episodes and I was like, ah, we have to do some more. Like, I know. This costs nothing, you know, for us. I mean, just time, but. Right, which is valuable. Yeah, it is <laughs> valuable. But honestly, I think just the, the joy of getting to do this, like, I wasn't quite ready to not do it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just was thinking about myself and how busy I am. And I was like, I just can't do it. I don't And that it is work. fair. That is fair, girl. Like, <laughs> we got lives and things are changing. Do you want to share, like, what has changed with you? Yeah, I'll start. Um, first of all, I'm Frankie. If oh, you're, yes. Hi, if, Hi, Frankie. Yeah, right. Thank you. Yeah, um, hi, Frankie. If you're looking at the cover of our our beautiful new marketing, <laughs> made by yes. yours truly, um, I'm the brunette with the thick mustache, and Jake <laughs> is the blonde with the big tits. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Always wearing a hat for some reason in most of our... Yeah. Oh, I guess maybe not all of well, them. No. No, it's been a while. It's been a couple seasons since Actually, I Actually, you but... only wore one in season two. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I'm going to shut my mouth then. <laughs> <laughs> was it the same hat? No. No, 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 no. This one was much bigger. Actually, in, in this one. one, you're wearing like a costume. But we'll get to I that. I am wearing a... We'll <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To... Yeah, we'll get to why soon. Okay. Okay. So I'm Frankie. And... Um, I, if you've been a long-term listener, which I'm sure by now, if you if you're listening to this, you've heard a few of our episodes at this point. Um, I actually went through a lot of changes. First of all, gather your eyes around me because I oh lost my- like 30 pounds since the last time we spoke. Yeah, you look. Yeah, you've lost a lot of weight, which you know, congratulations Thank on you the good so health, much. right? It's um, all done healthily, correct? Yeah. No, just kidding. Oh my god, Ozempic? I've been working... No, no, no. No Ozempic. But I have been working out more. I've been way more active than I probably ever have been in my life, which is why there's like some muscle definite... Look at that. Oh yeah, she's got guns. For more of me, follow me on at FrankieCorona91 on I Instagram. Know. Oh my god. Yeah, you've really gone from a share to an LN. Right? Yeah, no, Christian. I think he's hotter. Oh. 
Right. He's hotter. Yeah, so... But way I, less butch. <laughs> I lost 30 pounds, but uh, on a, I, the reason why I, I stuttered when you said healthily, because I just ate Taco Bell. <laughs> just now. That's okay. I ate Taco Bell last night. That's completely yeah. valid. Yes. Um, also, I got a divorce. Oh, it's so glamorous. <laughs> No, we are. Uh, you've, if you've listened before, you've heard me refer to Andre. He was my husband at the time, but now we are um, broken up. So, but mm. we're good. We're all pleasant. But um, yeah, it was. It was just uh, this chapter that's now closed. And um, absolutely, life goes. You know, goes on. Sometimes yeah. things work, and sometimes they don't. They don't. And yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be a sad thing. It's just a new chapter. I actually was going through this at the end of our last season, season five. So you can't really hear it in Scream 6, but I was in shambles during Scream 6. Yeah, I I remember just like trying to arrange the end of our last season. And it was just like, I don't know if we were even going to be able to do any sort of conclusion because you just had so much going on. Yeah, it was a disaster. I, we, a uh, scream six is going to be a hallmark in my life because it literally happened all that weekend. Woo. Yeah. So crazy. But, um, I'm really excited to venture into a new life. I went back to school. I'm only taking one class. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. it's, like, it's like, that's a little generous. I've gone back to school. I went back to school. I'm getting my degree. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Definitely not. I hate school, but um, I can only take it one class at a time because I got to ease my way back in, right? And, um, that's fair. But I'm taking one of the nation's only horror movie classes. Oh my God. That is my dream to one day teach a horror film class. I think you should do it. Honestly, this guy that I'm taking it with, his name's Adam Wadenius, and he is great. He teaches all the film classes up here at the college, and I am so honored to be in. But oh also, God. I kind of feel like a know-it-all. You know what I mean? Like, I'm oh, like, well. I'm like, don't you think this applies to Chris Hardinson just as much as it applies to Carrie? You know, <laughs> I'm like challenging him. Are those the kind of discussions that are had in this class? Yeah, it's like <gasps> the femme monster and then example Carrie. I'm like, but doesn't it also apply to Chris? Because the, oh my God, as we said on the podcast, our trajectories are parallel. <laughs> this is so something they would talk about in Scream 2 in film class. <laughs> exactly. I feel like, you know, Mindy or Randy or not Charlie and Robbie, but yeah. Yeah. CC Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So moral majority. <laughs> House 2, second story. Um, <laughs> that's where I'm at in life. Um, what about you? Yeah. I spent the summer working, but a little different I was working on a cruise ship, which is so funny because Mm -hmm. that is something that we teased that I was possibly going to be doing for a while and it was going to happen and then it didn't. And then we were able to come back and do this and then it was going to happen again and then it didn't. And then we were able to continue the podcast. And this time it, I said it was going to do it and I actually did it. Um, I spent the summer in the Mediterranean sailing around wow. with um, a cruise ship as a singer and um, as I'm in tears know, on my bed alone I know exactly <laughs> I'm, I'm living like a mama mia fantasy and <laughs> no it, it, was, it was lovely to get back to what I love doing the most I, I think like since I had started the podcast like me as a performer a stage performer I was not really 
seeking out many opportunities to do that. I was sort of in a place where I was kind of comfortable working at my stupid bar job. And hmm. um, I, I think it was a necessary step for me to take to get back out there post COVID and um, really rediscover who I am. And so that was really nice. And it was, it was four and a half months. It was definitely tough. It was not all, you know, good times and, um, but it, it was really necessary for me. And so I'm grateful that I did it and it's all over now. And I knew I was going to be back just in time for spooky season. And so I was like, come on, let's just like, let's just give it one more try. Yes. The good old college try. Is that the phrase? Ew, I don't know. <laughs> a good old Collins try. Yeah. I, um, it was actually weird to, uh, I visited LA over the summer and it was, ac- well, earlier this month and it was actually weird to go and not visit you. I know. I, I was like, I can't believe you're in LA and I'm in Ibiza, you know? Oh, like, Ibiza. It's <laughs> <laughs> it like, oh my God, like what I would give to be home right now and not um at this beach club sailing the high seas yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but i got to see the fabulous joe lopez live in yes. action wait are you guys still together <laughs> yeah we are still together yes we are going on 10 years oh, in february we're about the nine God. we're at the nine and a half nine and three quarters mark i would say but yeah we're february will be our 10 year anniversary oh my it's possible God. gays it's possible it is. I don't want to like counteract that, but Andre and I broke up at our after our ten year mark. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I didn't say there was. I didn't say anything after that was possible. I said ten years is possible. <laughs> it is. It's possible. I've done it. Um, <laughs> anyway, enough about us as individuals because now we're back in action as Fear the Talking Queers. Yes, dun, we dun, dun. are sort of approaching this with a you know whatever happens happens. Yeah. We don't feel pressured to, you know, do anything that's going to really overwhelm us. Yeah. So I think that we're going to be like, you know, giving you things when, yeah, we're going to be giving things when we're able to. And because we have some more stuff coming up too. You have stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. The momentum in in my life is, is starting to go. So, um, you know, I got to make sure I, I cling to that, but also still make time for the things that bring me joy and happiness, which is honestly this. And as listeners, I'm sure you're used to this. You know, we come and we go. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're used to our inconsistence. Like, it's, yeah. it's just expected at this point. You know, that's what happens when you're the cool kids of the horror podcast community. So Yeah, exactly. Like, we don't give a shit. Like, we're, we're going to go take a, a 14-week smoke break, and then we'll be back, you know? Yeah. If you love us, we're with you. If you hate us... <laughs> Yeah. Then fuck you. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. So why don't we get into our movie? I mean, why waste time? Why waste time? We're already talking. So now it's time to bring in Talk to Me. Talk to Me. Yes. This was a movie that was highly anticipated. Of course, at this point, anything that A24 is bringing out of their wheelhouse is highly anticipated. And everybody was looking forward to, and this was the follow-up to Bodies, 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 which also did, performed really well, critically at least. And um, so Talk to Me was, was, I think, blew Bodies, Bodies, Bodies out of the water, kind of, as far as... uh, the A24 horror. Yeah, I feel like 
A24 is really the one to look at right now. They bring out the coolest projects, and I think that they're not afraid to be weird. They're not afraid of turning audiences off with being too out there. They are daring, and I think it pays off for the most part. We don't get, you know, as much as I love, like, Blumhouse, they have a tendency to sometimes be watered down, I would say. Maybe not as, you know, artistically savvy. They're a little more surface level, which I love. You know, don't get me wrong. I do love that. Yeah. But um, I think A24 is just really knocking it out of the park. A leader in the uh, Writers Guild. Yes. The only studio allowed to keep going. Absolutely. Because they were like, well, we'll, we'll rise to the occasion and we will, you know, adhere to these demands because they obviously have a deep love for creation and, you know, giving quality product and that they're willing to bend to whatever they need to in order for that to keep going. And that is inspirational to me. So A24, you have my heart. Anything that you have coming out, I will be supporting, especially Dick's the Musical. (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wait. What I love about Dick's the Musical is that one of the leads was, like, in the background of Broad City. Ugh! That one guy. Wait, what, what, what episode? Like a lot of them. He's like in, he's like one of Alana's coworkers in the background. Oh, yes. <laughs> Constantly. <gasps> that is true. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. See, and you know, Broad City is a favorite here at Fear the Talking Queers. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so everybody, the horror community was loving this movie. It was actually, I would say, our most requested movie for starting this new season. Oh, yeah. Immediately, they were like, please do talk to me. Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. I was like, okay, all right, enough. Yeah, fine, we get it. No, but yeah, you brought up a really good point about them being like at the the studio that was willing to comply with the writer's strike and all of that. So actually, this feels very appropriate for our return. Yeah, they deserve their flowers first. So we are giving them. Yeah. So shall we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, this is... Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. Released in twenty twenty three. Written by Danny. Philip Poo. <laughs> <laughs> you know we love to butcher uh, a good name around here. I know. I mean, I don't understand. I don't think it can be anything other than Philip Poo. So. Philip <laughs> yes, written by Danny Filippo, Bill Hinsman, and Daly Pearson. Directed by Danny and Michael Filippo. Our movie begins with Cole, played by Ari McCarthy, searching for his brother Duckett in a crowded house party. When Cole finds Duckett and attempts to bring him home, Duckett stabs his brother before fatally stabbing himself in the face. Meanwhile, 17-year-old Mia, played by Sophia Wilde, is struggling with the second anniversary of her mother Rhea's death by overdose and her distant relationship with her father Max, played by Marcus Johnson. Mia, her best friend Jade, played by Alexandra Jensen, and Jade's little brother Riley, played by Joe Bird, sneak out to a kickback hosted by Haley, played by Zoe Tarakis, and Joss, played by Chris Alosio, who honestly is the hottest guy in this movie. 
Hands yeah, down. he is pretty cute. The main attraction of this kickback is a severed and bombed hand of mysterious origin that has gone viral online. To use the hand, they must light a candle to open communication, then hold the hand and say, talk to me, allowing them to see and communicate with the spirit. Then by saying, I let you in, the spirit will proceed to possess them. The connection must be severed before 90 seconds in order to prevent the spirits from binding themselves. Mia volunteers to go first and is possessed by a spirit that displays a menacing focus on Riley. Joss and Haley manage to break the connection, but only after the time limit is exceeded slightly. They all gather at Jade's house the next night for more hand shenanigans. Okay. Ooh, oh my god, that sounds like a Thursday night to me, honey. Right. I'm like, now that I'm single, no <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow, times have really changed since I was in high school. We didn't do that. <laughs> Everyone indulges, enjoying the euphoria of possession. A24's euphoria. Starring Zendaya. Oh my god. <laughs> there we go. Always marketing. Marketing team is on it. When Jade leaves the room, Mia allows a begging Riley to take a turn. Riley appears to be possessed by Rhea's spirit who attempts to reconcile with Mia. Mia disregards the time limit to keep talking to Rhea. Riley's body is overtaken by the spirits who make him attempt suicide by repeatedly smashing his face against the table and he is hospitalized in critical condition. Ew. Ew. Sick. <laughs> it was so gross. Mia, now haunted by visions of Rhea, is turned away by Jade and her mother Sue, played by Miranda Otto, which who I was like... When she came on screen, I said, Miranda, what are you doing <laughs> are you in this do- movie? <laughs> I was Miranda, like, uh, what are you doing here? <laughs> I was like, what are you? I was like, hold on. I was like, I mean, I don't know. In this random Australian independent film. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, Miranda Otto is just in it. Great. That was exciting. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is a legit movie. Like oh. all of a sudden it felt, it felt grand. I don't yes, know why. All of a sudden. Yeah. It, she brought a level of like, you know, sophistication to it. Almost, yeah, like, she like, did. Oh. oh, I was like, oh. They have uh, a real, okay. There's a real I, actress right. in this. No. <laughs> yes, I was like, I'm invested now. At first, I was like, I'm not going to know who these skanky Borgans are, these Australians. But Miss <laughs> Miranda Otto, she uh, brought it. So she I was happy it. to see her. She served. Both of whom blame her for Riley's injuries. Mia uses it to contact Rhea, who insists that her death was accidental and that she needs to help Riley, who is still possessed and attempts suicide every time he returns to consciousness. Mia leaves the connection open and begins seeing her mother without using the hand, causing her to lose grasp on reality. The friends track down Cole, who explains that a living body naturally expels invading spirits. Mia, fearing for Riley's soul, attempts to contact him in the hospital by using the hand, but is instead shown a vision of Riley being tortured by souls in limbo. At home, Max reveals Rhea committed suicide, having left a suicide note for Mia. Soon after, Rhea's spirit tells Mia that Max is lying. Mia hallucinates that she's being violently attacked by Max, causing her to inadvertently stab her real father in the neck with a pair of scissors. After being told by Rhea that Riley needs to die in order to be set free from his possession, Mia kidnaps Riley from the hospital, intending to put him out of his misery. Jane sees her pushing him in a wheelchair towards the highway. Rhea attempts to convince Mia to push Riley into oncoming traffic. Sorry, this, this scenario was so wild to me. I was like, not this. Right. They're not pushing him into traffic. <laughs> so wild. Like, Do it. <laughs> Do it. Rhea attempts to convince Mia to push Riley into oncoming traffic, but when she says, we'll have him forever, Mia realizes that Rhea has been a malevolent spirit from her initial possession, manipulating her all along. 
Mia sacrifices herself for Riley by jumping into oncoming traffic. Mia suddenly finds herself wandering the hospital badly wounded. No one notices her, and she sees her hands are disfigured. She sees a fully recovered Riley leaving with Jade and Sue. The setting goes dark, and Mia approaches a candle in the distance, finding herself summoned at a party by a man's hand who sees her and says, I let you in. The end. Oh my. I'm not going to lie. I had no idea that's what he said because there was no subtitle. (laughs) (laughs) Because I watched this on bootleg. Don't tell anybody. That's okay. I was the one who sent you the link. They're going to come. Don't stitch on me. Okay. Stitches get stitches. Right. This movie is actually still in theaters. Yeah. Even like locally. Like it was. Yeah. Well, this, this movie's had quite an interesting life because it started among the festival circuit. And it was gaining a lot of traction, like in these small festivals. It was getting a lot of acclaim, and so it's exciting that it was able to get a a full theatrical release. I think that just is a testament to how good it is. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of critical acclaim, we want to hear from you. So if you haven't noticed, we're actually doing things a little bit different over here at Fear the Talking Queers. We read the synopsis all at once. Which is like what? very season one of what? us. Which I is know. Very, very season one. Right? What a throwback. Yeah. What we're a throwback. Retro. Yeah, but we're kind of just wanting to mix it up a little bit, right? So we also wanted to hear from you. So go to our Instagram at Fear the Talking Queers because we're asking you guys what you think about these movies that we're doing so we can talk about you guys behind your back. <laughs> yeah, like, like, no, that's stupid. I don't care about that one. You know, yeah. <laughs> someone so said they hate this movie. Um, no, so this actually got some good amount of responses. Uh, people who love it. So let me go through them really quick. So at the final girl next door, longtime listener of the pod, said yes. it was super fun and a really cool idea. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Oh, chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Um, uh-huh. uh, at soft x death. Or maybe that's Soft Times Death or Soft and Death. Um, they said, it's my favorite film of the year. Absolutely devastating in the best way. Okay. Okay. Yes. Positive um, reviews all around so far. At Pat Goes Places, who we will not be referring to in the Barbie episode that we have coming up. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. says, you forget for a moment you are watching a horror film, but oh, do they remind you. He continues by saying, best horror I've seen in a long time. Doesn't rely on classic possession tropes or effects. Okay, I'm about to rip that comment into shreds. But hey. Oh, um, all right. <laughs> um, Sorry, Pat. Sorry, Pat, but you are hot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) At release date, Rewind said, thought it was great. Stressful. Gave me Elm Street vibes. Okay. Word. I mean, okay. Yeah. There's dream logic or kind of, and there's a dream sequence. Teenagers dying. Actually. Dream sequence. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, Oh, here's, here's my longtime crush. Um, At Francesco underscore pretty face. One of the oh stars God. of Terrifier 2. Jesus uh, Christ. Okay, so now that you're single, this bitch is ready to throw his cat anywhere. <laughs> no, no, no. My dick. You're on the no, prowl. Just <laughs> oh. I'm just kidding. I'm just He's kidding. on the prowl, so yeah, anyway, yeah. keep going. He said... Love you, Frankie. Oh, no, no, that's what he said. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He said, loved it. Using possession as a metaphor for addiction. Chef's kiss. Uh, uh, I can't wait to get into that. And then at Edward is truth said another great entry in unfun horror. I felt bummed afterward mm. and I was grateful for that. Thumbs up. What an interesting um, 
subgenre that has become unfun horror. Unfun horror. But I get what he's saying, right? Sure, absolutely. There are like hor- there's like horror that takes itself incredibly seriously. We've seen those, but there's also yeah. the the Megans of the world, you know. Yeah, the Mithrigans. The Mithrigans. Um, yeah. Which are sort of this return to campy, silly, fun horror. So you know, there's there's something for everybody out there. Yeah. Smorgasbord, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to refer back to these responses as we go on because yeah. there are a few in there that I definitely want to address. Um, but, <laughs> but first, we want to get into the characters because that is where the story takes place in any movie. So what did you think of some of these characters and performances? Oh my gosh. Um... I think these kids are obviously incredibly talented. I'm like, Talent. my goodness. Like, especially because they are actually teenagers. That is... Um, Didn't know that. Yeah. They really rose to the occasion. I mean, this is heavy stuff we're dealing with. You know, the parents yeah. dying and we're dealing with addiction metaphors. Like, that's kind of heavy stuff. And Heavy stuff. So I, I, think, I wrote in my um, notes that this is some of the best teen performances I've seen in a long time. I'm not kidding. Miss Sophia Wilde, like... Oh. I, what a performance like brilliant like heartbreaking and but so so grounded you know it it wasn't very i felt for her like i she was able to really um convey a lot of angst i don't know what's what yeah angst but like also hurt absolutely she carried this film on her fucking back but she didn't have to do it alone because there's supporting characters but one of my favorite mia moments that sophia i thought did really well with was not even a spoken thing it was when she's washing the dishes after the uh, anniversary uh, thing for her mother and she's just sitting there washing the dishes and her father is trying to talk to her and just the way that she did her face i was like this is so not just relatable, but also intrigued. Like I was just like totally invested in what she was doing with her eyes and her mouth and yeah. uh, and everything. And I thought she did fabulous across the board, especially in the possession scenes. Like she did really, really well. And I yeah, loved her did. performance. I hope to see her in yeah. way more things. Absolutely. And I think her character has, yeah, like I said, such like a heartbreaking arc. You know, she's just somebody who really can't catch a break. and And she's so... She's so vulnerable, and and I think that speaks a lot to what happens to people who do succumb to addiction, or right. you know, especially when they're in dark places. Like they're just vulnerable; their souls are so exposed. And yeah, I I think that her character is just incredibly vulnerable to this, unfortunately, due to her past and her mother, and um, so it's really sad to see this character sort of fall prey to it but she's unfortunately like the perfect candidate to or like the most you know the one that we would think would fall into some sort of addiction yeah this is more so of a writing note but i will say this is not the first movie that we've equated drug addiction to possession with a character named mia Oh my god, well, absolutely Evil Dead. Right. So I was like, mmm, not terribly original, I, but hey. I don't think it, yeah, but I think that it's done, I think that it's done well. I don't think, yeah, I think it it's, is. it's not done in necessarily like the the most metaphorical way. I mean, it's pretty on the nose. It's like, pretty on the nose, yeah. I really honestly didn't know much about what this film was going to be about, other than a hand that makes you see the, I didn't even watch the, the trailer really. 
um, I just sort of knew about it. And so as soon as the movie started and it started going, I said, oh, I said, this is a metaphor for drug addiction, <laughs> like, or like, yeah. or experimenting with drugs at a young age or using drugs as a coping mechanism for your trauma. Um, that was pretty obvious. And I think that this yeah. movie is pretty obvious in that sense, but I don't think it's done poorly. It doesn't, that doesn't bother me. I don't, I don't like watch it and be like, ugh, what a lame attempt at trying to make no, a metaphor. Like, no, it feels I think like, it's really it great. Feels appropriate. I think it's appropriate, yeah. and I think that it, it gets its point across without you having to be like, wait, hold on, what? What? Like, let, yeah. <laughs> like, let me really put, you know, all the puzzle pieces together. Like, no, like, yeah, it was no. able to convey its message very clearly, and, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah, which I think is great, especially for a teen audience. I yeah, think this was rated R, but still, it's, it's, it's great for, because... Honestly, people are the younger generation. They're stupid. You know, you got to hit it right on the head. Um, <laughs> um, exactly. I think Sophia's performance as Mia is greatly supported by uh, the family dynamic of Jade uh, Riley and their mother, played by Miranda Otto. I think that was such a great trifecta of performances there as well that really supported our lead. Um, yeah. Alexandra Jensen as Jade. Um, I thought she did a really good job. Um, yeah. But I think Miranda Otto really was like a stellar character. I mean, her character yeah. was so stellar. I loved the way that they portrayed motherhood, not just with uh, her character, but also um, Rhea. When we when we see the moments of yeah. her and Mia interacting, I was like, wow, this is such a um, a cool, a ca- yeah, carefree yeah. dynamic, or like uh, almost like more friendly than like necessarily like a like a child yeah. parent relationship I was like wow he's like these parents seem very comfortable with each other when she's like filming her and her mom and she's like what do you have to say about that and she's like suck my ass and it's like yeah. fuck the haters yeah yeah, ex- yeah exactly and, but I think Miranda Otto's character I think that she's obviously a fierce mama bear type and oh yeah she's no nonsense. I aspire to be that sort of parent with my kids where I'm like, I'm onto your really? shit, bitch. Just know that. But yeah. have fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, I it does make it a little like, oh God, she she had a point at the end of the day when, you know, she was like, no parties, no parties, don't do this, don't do this. And then the second they go out, her, the next thing you know, her son's like in critical Possessed. condition in the hospital. So, yeah. hey, mother knows best. I think that's the <laughs> message here. Absolutely. Listen to your mothers. Yeah, everybody. Yes. Um, okay. And then we have this uh, Riley character played by Joe Bird, who I thought did a great job for being so young and it's probably so, so much young. younger than the rest of the cast. I was shocked what happens to his character, to be honest. Me too. Like, I, in the beginning, ouch. I pictured like Mia sort of like him and Mia sort of running around from the demons. And then sure. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, n- yeah. It was giving was like not... hereditary a little bit where you're like, whoa, this is what comes of our young characters. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but like I said, A24 is not afraid to go there, especially with kids. I wrote that in my notes. I was like, I love when a movie does not shy away from tormenting its young characters. Yeah. Without casting them as 30 year olds playing teenagers. Exa- exactly. But also like, I'm sure the spirit world doesn't give a fuck how old you are. Fuck no. Actually, the younger, the better. Well, yeah. More vulnerable. Exactly. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why he... That sounded sort of, gross, but you know, well, you, in a demon sort of way, right? Well, I, th- I think to that point, I think that he is sort of vulnerable because he seems like a young, p- 
pure soul and yeah. that maybe it has to do with something with like you know he's less tainted than the rest of them and that's why when Mia's first possessed like the the spirit or whatever that possesses her like is immediately you know, fixated on Riley because he's probably the purest soul there out of all those fucking hooligans and so <laughs> yeah it's the reagan effect right it's like this sure young, oh my god absolutely bright-eyed bushy-tailed child all of a sudden yeah. like their soul is being torn apart you know the pits of hell yeah because they're so innocent that they're yeah. vulnerable oh that's so sad for riley and he gets fucked up in this movie fucked like up. that scene i was my hands were over my mouth like in complete shock so was i i literally was grabbing my chest going oh my god i was waiting for the moment where like they wake up from a dream and he's like actually okay but he was not no. he was fully trying to rip his own eyeball that was sick that yes, was absolutely sick they did a great the, job and don't forget like all these things all these possession scenes like it's all practical like that's what's exciting about it too is that it's like it felt so grounded and real without the, having the use of like excessive CGI, CGI. Yeah. and to literally see him like trying to rip his eyeball out. I was like, Oh, this is giving me like Sam Raimi. It's giving me evil dead vibes. Yeah. And well, um, evil dead, especially the, the old ones. Yeah. Not evil dead rise. We'll get maybe to that. Later <laughs> <on>. <laughs> yeah. That is the CGI fest of the summer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then we have these two characters, which I didn't think needed to be two characters, but I guess it worked well in their, you know, sort of antagonizing these other characters. We have Haley and Joss. Um, Joss, I thought was, you know, really cute. I don't know if he's a teenager, but um, um, Haley was an interesting character to me because we don't ever really get the why. Like, why does Haley hate? Mia and what is the, like, all of their I'm connections like, to each other aside from I'm going like, to school? I'm sure there's a broken home background. They always have one. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And they, and, and they have they've grown up rough. So, because Haley was know. super edgy. But you know what I loved about Haley's character is that I'm assuming that Haley is queer. And Haley Haley is non-binary and non-binary. identifies as transmasculine. Transmasculine. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Is this the actor? Zoe? This is the actor, yeah. Okay, transmasculine, they, them, pronouns, mm -hmm. great. I believe so. So I love that because there's nothing like, because you know, horror is where our justice plays out, right? This is why the gay horror community and the black horror community are so prominent, um, especially in the podcast community. You know, we, we're the ones that perform the best. <laughs> I hate to say it. People want to no. hear our perspective. Okay. Yeah, they want to hear their perspective. So seeing... Um, even Sophia as Mia being the, our lead and being supported by all these, you know, white Australian characters and then having um, the the antagonist in some scenes be of queer origin yeah. <laughs> um, was great to see. I love that idea, like um, the Heathers TV reboot where it's like queer oh, characters yeah. are the Heathers now. It's like that is fantastic because it gives us that justice of like, we're the cool kids now. Okay? Yeah, well, it's, exactly. It's like we can be we, we can be the heroes of our story. We know that but hey do you know what we can also be the fucking villains okay yeah no i love well okay yeah we are well-rounded we have many facets to us we're not all you know we're not always the sidekick we're not always the funny character we can no. be the heroes sometimes we we're the popular be... one who bullies people yeah absolutely and i love that and, yeah exactly <laughs> we're just like you yeah we're bullies just like yeah, the rest yeah. of you fucking so, but, haters. But, th but thank you to um 
Zoe Tarrakis for, you know, playing that role. Yeah. And got the movie banned in Kuwait. You better fucking Good. work, Zoe. Good. <laughs> Good. We don't, need that. we don't need to be giving Kuwait anything, okay? Yeah, right. We're Kuwaiting for them to catch up with the times. <laughs> Ex- exactly. Yeah. So Talk To Me and Barbie were both banned because they featured, like, trans actors. It's just wild. They're so wild. ridiculous. Honestly, I can't believe. But you know what? We can't, I guess, expect every culture to keep up with us. Um, sure. But um, yeah, okay. So the the most prominent character in this movie is the hand. Oh my God, played by uh, Thing. He's really, <laughs> this is his, his big return to, to cinema since Adam's Family Values, so. Yeah, well, this will sort of transition us into the storytelling of it all because the mythos of this uh, film is this hand, which we don't really get an explanation about what it really is. Um, I think Joss sort of yeah. explains that it's a, um, a a psychic's hand that's yeah, been or like mummified. it once belonged to a medium. But I think that sort of I think their ignorance about it, to be honest, plays into the mystery. A lot of- the mystery, but also plays into like, you know, these kids obviously have no idea what they're doing. And I think that translates to maybe how kids approach doing drugs mm. is that they, it's all, it's like they're sort of operating with very little information, but they're right. still willing to take the risks or, or everything they've heard is through somebody else. It's like a, a almost like a game of telephone at this point. So like right. the fact that they don't know anything about this hand that it makes me question like things like these rules, like how, how are we supposed to know that this 90 second rule of holding this hand is, is sufficient even, enough is, is to even cut the real. ties. Exactly. Yeah. It sounds like, they're sort of operating with just things that they've heard. It, it does feed into like the social media narrative of it, where it's like they just saw it as a viral video and then sure. was like, oh, and then I came across the hand and I guess this is how you use it. Exactly. There's no proof. There's no like the supernatural world and, um, you know, the logical world, I guess. Mm-hmm. I obviously aren't. It's not black and white like that. Like. I'm sure they, this ritual is much more nuanced than just holding the hand for 90 seconds and you're not going to get possessed. Like, there's right. no way that it, that they know for sure that that's real. And so they're playing with fire, you know? They're they're really taking a risk here, but operating as if they, they know. Like, they have that sort of know-it-all uh, invincibility that young kids and teenagers have. Yeah, like, I'm not going to trust Haley and Joss to be the definitive voices of, of how to connect with the spirit world. Oh, um, yeah. But they but everybody seems to believe them because it's, it's I don't know, too good to be and, true or it's it's sensational. Like, I think that is a big part of it, too. And you mentioned social media. And I was watching um, an interview with the writer-directors, and one of them was saying is, like, a lot of it was inspired by this... Um, I don't want to say trend, but this thing that happens um, on like social media nowadays with TikTok and everything of people filming like extreme things. Like people have a fascination with filming first time drug uses and then they, you know, and then they post Mm. them. Okay. Yeah. And that was sort of one of the initial inspirations for this film was that he remembers seeing a video 
or like watching a video of his neighbor doing a certain drug for the first time and having like this like really intense crazy trip and everybody mm. was just standing around filming and he said he was just so uncomfortable with that or like thinking about that that video exists of this person like having this really intense reaction to this drug that um that sort of inspired what happens in this film about how all these yeah. kids sensationalize this and all they want to do is sit around and film it as opposed no matter how scary it is it's just so extreme that they need to film it and post it must be um uh molly because this is what your eyes kind of look like when you're on molly. oh my god oh my god the pupils like as big as your head. <laughs> yeah. yeah it looks like you just poured belladonna in your eyes oh um, my god belladonna, belladonna. okay as far as subscribing to the mythos though right like how you're saying about the rules and how how quickly they just are easily believing that they're telling it correctly um it also kind of baffled me and i was like okay well this is a movie you know a movie's got a movie that they're yeah. not more freaked out. I know it's yeah. They immediately go into uh, they're like that loving was dope. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like sort of succumbing to it as opposed to thinking that this is fucking scary. Yeah, they believe they all of a sudden the supernatural exists. They don't really have much in the way of like being afraid of that. But um, yeah, they sort of easily. But maybe again, maybe that's the same thing with drugs. It's like this thing that we've been taught to be scared of our entire lives drugs 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 but as soon as you hit this age where everybody is doing it yeah all of a sudden it's it's, you have to like get over the fear of it and you have to do it in order to be somebody yeah 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 especially when you're dealing with some of the the storylines that our other characters are going through yeah like this is the release this is the so it kind of does make sense that mia would go first and sort of coming out of it be like oh that was so great you know the disassociation and the high that she's writing which separates her from the tragedy of her real life um yeah that that sort of initiates it being sort of this cool thing to do yeah and it seems like it does give them like an actual sort of high or you know it must actually feel good to do I was related to uh, the character, um, Zendaya's character, Rue, in Euphoria when she explains what getting high does for her. That's sort of what I referenced in my mind when Mia was coming out of it and sort of feeling like this big sense of relief and like, it was so good. It's like when I hear about people who do like ayahuasca ceremonies and stuff about how they're like, or yeah, or they say like specifically with ayahuasca, I mean, it is intense. Like, they see like in the moment and it's absolutely horrible and you're crying and you're vomiting and you're shitting. It's like <laughs> uncomfortable, like in the moment. But then when it's all over, you feel like you've seen the face of God or something. And so, yeah, I think that probably is a direct parallel to something like that, where it's like, yeah, in the moment it's intense, it's scary, but what it does for you, how it, you know, you know affects your, your mind and your well being. Um, is worth it, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's what I've heard. My friend, my friend Arelli, you know, we've mentioned her on the podcast before. Yeah. She did ayahuasca over the summer yeah. in Ecuador, and now I want to go too. We're going to plan yeah. it. Yeah, my, my friend <laughs> did it in Peru, and he said it was life-changing. He said, yes. like, his anxiety is not even a fraction of what it once was. And oh, that's he, he still He'll have, like, residual effects, like he said. Uh, I, hope he's, I hope he's okay with me sharing this, but, like... Uh-oh. Um... But no, but he said, like, at one point, like, during his trip, he was, like, in a, uh, a suit of armor with these, like, 
light rings around his his arms or something yes. like that. And then now, like he'll like picture the, that like that suit of armor and that those like light rings around his wrist, and he feels like prepared to overcome like anything. It has that kind of profound effect on people, apparently. Yeah. And so yeah, I I mean it, it makes sense that they're chasing this high. Yeah, Aureli saw herself as a pink glittering dragon. Oh, okay. Word. I love that. Okay, right? I hope she pictures that every time she, um, you know, is scared. I know. And in a nightmare scenario, this is actually what would happen if I did ayahuasca. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> talk like, to me scenario. I know. I'm like, this would be my my experience. Everybody else <laughs> Bang, would be seeing Banging my head into yeah. the, the walls. <laughs> yeah, everybody else would be seeing pink dragons, and I'm over here fucking seeing um, Swamp Witch. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Freddy Krueger. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So, okay. I will say the setup of this movie is fantastic. We've already kind of discussed it as far as it being, you know, a a metaphor for for drug use, um, much like the um, Francesco Pretty Face said on Instagram, you know, like yeah. it, it's a metaphor. And like you said, it's very on the nose. Um, and then I want to go to what Pat Goes Places says when um, it, he said it doesn't rely on classic possession tropes or effects, which mm. I will agree that I don't think that the possession is really the highlight of, of, of what's going on, of the highlight of the storytelling. Sure. However, I do think that in the second half of this movie, we do slip into some familiar territory that kind of feels a little by the book. Um, mm. The going back to the beginning when they search out Cole for some kind of wisdom that I'm oh, trying I, to figure I, out why he yeah. has that wisdom. I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, this feels like a callback to every, you know, mystery horror film where it's like, they have to go back. I was like, this is very, it's giving the ring. It's giving the ring. (laughs) I literally wrote those two down. I was like, oh, it's like, it follows the ring. Yeah. They're going back. They have to investigate. Um, You know, they got to find the person it happened to before in order to, to uncover the mystery in order to figure out what to do. Yeah. I felt very much like that, but honestly, I love those kind of movies. Yeah, I love yeah, those yeah. kind of movies. So it just felt like familiar, fun territory to me. I was yeah, like, oh, okay, I old love school, these kind of movies. Old school. Yeah, let's take it back. Let's go on a little mystery. We have to investigate while our parents have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and then we get a little into like that scream sort of teen slasher category when um, they, in the second act, even after, right after they talk to Cole, they sort of let their personal relationships sort of get in the way of what's truly going on. I'm like, okay, you guys, let's bring it back and focus on the problem at hand, which is Riley's in the hospital trying to kill himself. And you guys are worried about who's sucking whose toes. Oh, I know. (laughs) I know that I I know. I was like, there are bigger fish to fry here. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I did, but I did think that it, Teen drama, though, you know, I, I I don't know if it felt as much like teen drama. I think it does serve in a way to you know help us really understand what Mia is going through is that she's almost she's almost like becoming isolated from her friends and that her friends it's almost like you know say if you were on drugs and in that moment when maybe the people closest to you begin to abandon you and they don't trust you like yeah. I, it seems to me like she was like I just I don't want to be alone like obviously all this crazy stuff is happening around me I don't want to be alone I don't want to be alone maybe she does have feelings for this guy but it doesn't seem like to me, yeah. it didn't seem like that was her main motivation. And then I feel like the no. ghosts were fucking with her and manipulating her 
and you know trying to isolate her from her group ah. by like having that moment where the the whatever goes over and sucks his toes and then almost like you know breaks up her friend group her, or her support group leaving her completely vulnerable absolutely that's why jake is smarter than me because you know what <laughs> i at first i was like what sort of purpose does this subplot of you know, Daniel and Mia had like a, a thing kind of before yeah. and now he's dating Jade and it sort of seems like he's still kind of attracted to Mia, but he's with yeah. Jade. I was like, what the fuck does this got to do with the plot of the story? But the demons using it to isolate her makes a little bit more sense. So I, I'm glad you brought that. Yeah, that's a, that's, that is what I sort of interpreted from it. Because um, I was like, yeah, what is the point of this? But I know I think it serves a little bit to to isolate her a little more and you know really traumatize her it seems like these ghosts definitely want her to be vulnerable and Alone. at her most scared yeah i thought that I, I will say that subplot i still think that it was not totally necessary because i thought the more intriguing one was um her dealing with the death of her mother and then sort of this revelation that um, she thought it was an accidental overdose and it turns out that it was actually suicide. That's that's a devastating subplot. Yeah. And then for the demons to sort of manipulate her as her mother, I was like, yeah. okay, that is... I think, you know, and that goes back to what Edward is truth is saying, where it's like, it's un, it's not fun. It's it's real things that happen that yeah. you have to confront, and it does feel malevolent in a way. And so being um, subjected to having to see her mother as this sort of, like, zombie, yeah. and then reconnect with her, but it's not actually her, I thought was heartbreaking and also yeah. very serious. And I thought it was a really good subplot. So the teen drama sort of part of it paled in comparison to that much more grand uh, theme of death and your parents. I agree. I agree. I think that, yeah, that second subplot you mentioned is, is really strong and just, yeah, like you said, heartbreaking, but you know, it's like, it really, I think paints a picture of the sort of supernatural that we're dealing with. What I thought was interesting about it was that I don't know why I was like, maybe we're just sort of trained from, films of the past to believe that all these th- all these ghosts and whatever are only gonna tell us the truth you know like we they see a ghost and like i need to contact the spirit in order to find out what happened but it's yes. like the, the, you think these dead evil people are above lying <laughs> like right right it's like well, no. and also the kids like you what like you brought up the kids kind of having the sort of handbook on this hand right. and how it works and Cole like how does he know that a living body you know like well, how do we know these things and yeah. why do we so but this is a problem that we have in a, a lot of horror movies and I guess it's just a thing where it's like why are do our characters always quickly subscribe to something that's complete mythology at this point yeah or it's like why do they trust that this one other guy what does he know like it, it's all a giant game of telephone at this point you know, you go back to even movies that we've talked about previously. It's like the they sort of take these people's word for for you know gospel. When, yeah. To be honest, it, it who knows? Like you, these supernatural things exist above our comprehension, most likely. So. Yeah. I mean, the like going back to what we were saying before, even like to the ninety second rules and the candles and blowing this out. Like, who's to say that that shit is the truth? Who's to say that these demons can't show up and tell you lies? 
Like, yeah. Because at first I was like, oh, I was like, this this ghost is telling her that you know it. She would never commit suicide. I would never do that. And I was like, oh wow. I was like, is she like a good ghost or like or like it seemed like maybe that she was not like the rest of the ghosts at first. But I was like, oh wait a minute. What if she's just lying? What if she's just because once we get to that monologue that the father has reading the the suicide note. Yeah. I was kind of confused. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I thought she said she didn't commit suicide. I was like, and that's when it clicked to me. And I was like, oh wait, she did commit suicide. This bitch is lying. She's right. manipulating poor little Mia. And I'm like, well, duh. Well, like, what what made me think? That this ghost was above lying to her. Who's telling the truth, yeah. Especially with how ugly it looked. I was like, yeah, I think I when like, your mom shows up as a ghost in movies, she's typically, like, pretty. <laughs> Unless you're um, uh, Maureen Prescott in Scream 3. <laughs> it was giving that. It was giving Maureen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. And then another, that actually, that moment in that whole scene with like her confronting the death of her mother through her father, I thought was kind of messy. Um, I just didn't know that I loved the way that, I don't know, I don't think it was the writing. I think it was the directing where the blocking is sort of confusing and then like Max being a trick and then actually stepping in. It sort of, to me, it sort of felt like that that meet that social media trend where they lift up the sheet and then they run behind the door and then the sheet drops <laughs> and they're gone. It was sort of the dog. Yeah, the dog's like, where'd they go? Um, (laughs) It was sort of like that. Like, I felt like it was kind of sloppy. Like, the blocking was sloppy in her stabbing Uh. her father. And I was like, yeah. "Mm." I mean, that's 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 fair. I don't know. I there was something weird about it, and I I don't know. Maybe when you watch it again, you'll have like yeah. I was like, maybe I have to rewatch it to sort of grab. I it didn't hit me that there was was just a lot going on there, and then I was like, wait. What? But I will, like, but that's not your dad. I will say, the dad disappears and he comes back and it's the real him. Oh, I, like, I see what I see what you're saying. It was what? kind of confusing because you had really had to listen when she was when he was like banging on the door and the ghost is like, "That's not, that's not really your father. That's the them in 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 what's the word, impersonating him." Yeah. And so I was like, "Oh, I was like, wait. So the dad's sitting there on the couch and also the dad is banging on the door." But that's a fake dad. I was I did have to go through this like process. And that's the thing is that why if the demon is trying to trick her, would she reveal that that's not her real yeah. dad? Because it was not her real dad. It was not her, yeah, I was like, wait a minute, you just gave your your shenanigan away. <laughs> yeah, that that was weird to me. I don't know. I, mean, I just was like, I, that's a little Here bleh. we go. Maybe we are, are giving the, these ghosts too much credit. You know, they don't know what they're doing either. Yeah, they're like, that's not him. Oops! Oops! Oh! oh. <laughs> well, too late. Gotta roll with it. Gotta roll with it. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, well, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, but I yeah. thought the dad's performance was, oh my God, when he was like crying, reading that suicide oh, yeah. Note. That's why I was like, if this isn't real, if she actually didn't commit suicide, I was like, this man gave the performance of his life to of sell. a lifetime to sell that but I honestly believe but then I was always like there's no way this man is obviously very convicted and what in this suicide note like obviously this ghost is lying and I should have just believed that from the beginning <laughs> yeah 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 and I, I don't know yeah I think that just needed to be a little bit more crisp 
Like it just needed to be a little bit more like the audience. I mean, the audience, it's the audience is stupid, right? Like I, if I yeah. that was me. Like I was the stupid audience in this particular aspect where I was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> like I, I'm sort of lost in this, but I mean, once it all came together, I understood, but, yeah. but getting there was kind of hard. I was like, uh, I guess it's supposed to be just as confusing for us as it would be for Mia. So I guess it works in that. Sure. In I'm that sure way. she was very confused. Yeah. So what did you think of overall about like the directing the cinematography? Because I loved it. No, I, yeah, I loved it too. I thought it was very, it was very dark. It was very grounded. I I saw a really interesting analogy, or sorry, maybe comparison online. I can't take credit for this, but it was like, it sort of was showing such a difference from like movies from the past where it was about slumber parties and Bloody Mary and everything was really cute and like, you know, and then it turned dark. Whereas this one felt more real. These parties that they go to are like heavily drugs and... And yeah. it's it's not the slumber parties of the past, you know, where people did Bloody Mary in the mirror and it was cute. Like it's sort of the same concept, but in a very dark, um, you know, setting. And so I thought the look of the I love the look of the film. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think it, it it just works really well. And like I said, I'm a huge fan of the practical effects, so that directing choice is on point. Yeah. And like you said, to piggyback off of what you said, um, one of the strongest directing choices I think they made was during the montage of them all taking a turn uh, or taking a hit of this hand. Right. Um, and that sort of like fun song that's playing. And it's like, oh, yeah, I, I forgot how it goes, but we used it in the marketing on our um, on our story when we were talking about we're going to announcing that we're going to do this. And I'll use it again for the actual post like, oh, you know, <laughs> but like it was like it's sort of like carnival and they're all like having fun getting possessed yeah. and I was like honestly what a cool new twist on a cool new horror twist on something like the classic slumber party where normally yeah. we'd be seeing them in a comedy setting hitting a bong or something yeah this exactly time, smoking weed they're getting possessed drinking by demons yeah. or 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 you know ill-willed souls and and sort of enjoying that high that they're writing and they're having a good time doing it and i'm like this is so completely dark but juxtaposed with that huge fun um fun number that's going on in the background i was like this yeah. is fucking great like this is yeah. that was a great choice definitely a, uh, yeah definitely a smart choice I, I yeah i really love the style and the direction of this movie i think they did yeah. great Another great imagery, like as far as like my favorite moments in the in the movie, one of them was actually quite dark, and it's when um, Mia tries to communicate with the soul of Riley through yeah. the hand and sees him being tortured by all tortured. those goblins. Yeah, that's I, my favorite part. I was like, holy shit! I mean, it's straight out of like a sort of like this Renaissance painting of hell, you know? It's like right. that was such strong imagery, but also really fucking sad and scary. Yeah. And what I actually would imagine hell to be like. I know. Well, it does sort of bring up this idea: is like, is is there heaven and hell, or is this the only? Is this the afterlife for everybody? Like, I, I read some interesting yeah. theories. Is that like the reason why these ghosts? want to come back it's like because no everybody who dies ends up going to that place and so it's almost like a high for the ghosts to come back and possess these humans because Mm. because they crave life back on earth that's why 
whenever they come back, they're laughing, they're singing, they're fucking masturbating or whatever is because they, they are also sucking toes. Yeah. Okay. Well that, and it's like these ghosts also are getting high almost from being in our world. And so it's not, it's like not just one sided. It's not like just the humans who are getting it. It's also the other way around. And Mm. uh, so I thought that was sort of a brilliant theory you know, but that it's not necessarily that they want to come back. Like it's, it's not the, it doesn't seem like their motive is to possess, to come back as humans because we see in the beginning of the film that the brothers one stabs them and then shoots himself. That it's more as like, they want the nerve they, endings. They, yeah. They, <laughs> they, they want, they want the high, but then they want to, but when they also possess somebody they have the opportunity to steal their soul and eat it (laughs) which is what happened to riley and so if they they can possess them but then if they kill them they also get the benefit of i don't know devouring their soul or something i love that no but also when we see the transition of somebody actually you know succumbing to their fate by the hand like mia It is sort of like, wow, that is really dark and depressing. And honestly, any opportunity I got to come back into the real world and have a good time sucking someone's toes or something, I probably would do it, you know? Because once that hospital went dark, I was like, Miss Mia, you thought life on Earth was bad? Girl, you're dark now. I know, exactly. But that's that sort of plays into the darkness of this film, that not fun horror, is that it does have a very bleak perspective on the afterlife. Is that because, and I think a lot of, and a lot of the theories I saw sort of solidified that with when that little girl shows up, when she's like trying to summon the demon, um, in the hospital with Riley, that that little girl showed up and it's like, there's no way that that little, I mean, it's possible, but that this that little girl would end up in hell for some reason, you know? So So it seems to play into the fact that. I think everybody goes to this place after death. No matter yeah, what. Because they don't ever refer to heaven or hell. They always just call it limbo in the limbo. movie. Which I guess in biblical terms would be purgatory, which is just sort of this place yeah. where souls wander and not really knowing where the fuck to go. Yeah. And that's sort of a that's sort of a scary thought, you know. It brings us yeah. back to classic literature like um american horror story coven <laughs> when, yes. when madison comes back to life and was like there's nothing over there it yeah is, which was just in give me a cigarette retail hell at bed <laughs> bath and beyond yeah, yeah yeah no before that even when they don't even explore any of their afterlives but she's, oh yeah, like, yeah yeah she's what did like, you see nothing. She's like, nothing there's nothing which yeah. I thought was stronger than her working at Bed Bath and Beyond, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I was like, "Wow, that's really that's a that's a scary thought, right?" Because it plays yeah. on what horror movies do the best is they always play on the fears of the public, and I think the biggest fear that we all sort of share in one way or another is the fear of death, because we yeah. are scared that that. That, that the, this the, is the it. afterlife that talked to me is is portraying that that's what it will be. Yeah, that it either doesn't exist or that what exists is is bad or is scarier than this or or just unexpected or like even just the idea of not knowing. I think the unknown of it is also scary. Yeah. It could be this, but it could not. It could be completely different, but we don't know. And that fear of not knowing is probably the scariest of all. 
Ooh, that is scary. That is scary. Um, should we get into like the ending of the film? Yeah. So what do we think actually happened? Well, I mean, at first I, 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 it took me a second to really put the, like connect the dots of what happened. And then I literally read one sentence on the internet. I said, oh, duh, this is exactly what happened. So yeah, so she is now a ghost. And she's, she's a ghost. Now, she's being summoned by the hand now. And I, people are like talking about, like, do you only become one of those ghosts if you've used the hand before? Like, maybe, maybe I was wondering you, that. Is that a thing? I was wondering that. But also, um, I think it was Pat Ghost Places brought, like, elaborated more in our DMs about um, her using... Because when you're using the hand, you use your left hand because the, the hand is yeah. a right hand. So, but in the end, and I don't know if this was an oversight or if this is going to be sort of a new twist that they might use later on in a future film because Talk To Me Too got, already got approved. But yeah. they, the brothers, the Filippo brothers, they've said that they guess pulled a tie west and already filmed a prequel that they're waiting to get the rights to release. Yes, which is going to be about the brothers that um, from the beginning of the film, but the film is going to be done in that... Um, I, what is it called? I don't know what it's called, but that style with like social media and webcams like very much like searching or missing you know those movies ah uh, yeah those like those like movies that are done where they all... use multimedia yes <laughs> to exactly. convey the story yes it's gonna be like that as opposed to like a um, a straight up you know linear film like this I don't love that I'm not gonna lie yeah I, it's, I mean I, I don't know I fucking hate that idea I think it it's... ages the movies faster I mean, I mean, any anytime you sort of incorporate technology like that in any film, it's gonna eventually become dated. But yeah, but I think in this aspect of them recording it and like kind of using social media as sort of a you know, I mean, a, social a media is it is sort of ingrained in in the in story. Our culture. Yeah, and I or don't think that it's going movie. anywhere anytime soon. So this will last long. But actually, having it filmed through those avenues is. Yeah, it's gonna be I like done through that. like you know, so people's you know probably perspectives from their like TikTok videos and their Instagram videos, and then you know, uh, fill you know what I'm saying? Yes, yeah. Oh, but all of that was to say because I'll forget to finish my thought that she use she still uses her left hand in the end, and so they're like, oh. is she uh, is this the other hand, or is this? Because now it's in India, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's like it's like across the world. I'm like, I mean, but then we also don't know how much time has gone by. But I was like, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe is it there is a left the hand other hand. And a right hand, you know. Uh, maybe that's possible. And if so, I want to see how this psychic or whoever these hands belong to. I want to see how they died. Yeah. Did I they mean, die like this? <laughs> yeah, just, like, like petrified and mummified like that. I know. Yeah, I mean, it does bring up a lot of questions. Also, what's interesting about the ending of her, she sort of looks sort of normal, but every like spirit that we've seen since is like really gross and scary and evil. So I'm like, does this mean that she's going to become more evil as time goes along? Like the more she's down there, will she look more decayed in the sequel? Yeah, or something like exactly. That? Yeah. Because these these other ghosts that were showing up. 
the drowned lady and the the uh, one with like, the eye going a different yeah, way. I was like, yeah, Whoa. like they, these are scary looking demons. And to be honest, Mia looked pretty normal. Like she Mia looked, looked great. From getting run you know? over, but <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, eventually right. she's gonna probably descend into into evil madness. And as far as the ending, that part was filmed, I thought, very well because we weren't sure what ha- what happened, and so seeing it from the backseat of someone's car was kind of clever. I thought they yeah. did really well with that. Yeah, I think that the part that kind of confused me was this little scene after she gets up after throwing herself in front of the car. Is this whole scene that happens in the hospital where she's watching them leave? I don't. And they're like, not noticing her. I was. It was giving sixth sense to me. One hundred percent. I was right? like, oh my god, sixth sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was feeling the biker. Very well. Yeah, I was like, I was like, obviously, it was like observing, and nobody notices you. You're a ghost. It's giving, you know, uh, murder house. But like, I don't know. I I didn't understand like them like leaving the hospital. Like, why was she witnessing that? Like, maybe that's just something I'm not understanding. But is that how like, quickly what? time passes from the beyond? Like, he yeah, was fully like, is, healed, and yeah, where's her dad what going? Is? And what's really yeah, going on? Her da- yeah, like, I'm like, is this just, like, nonsensical dream logic that's happening because she's dead? Or is, yeah, <laughs> is time passing, like, incredibly quickly now that she's dead? Uh, and she's only seeing that part, and which maybe explains how time has gone by enough for the hand to get to India. I don't know. That part just sort of confused me. Maybe somebody, a uh, listener out there, can enlighten me on why specifically those moments she was seeing. Yeah. I can I tell you how I wish it would have ended? Yeah. I don't mind the way it ended, but I do feel like at some point in my brain as a horror movie fan, I don't know why, but I would think to break the hand or burn it or something. You know, that's kind I mean, of classic well, yeah, but logic. I mean, I know that is something they never really explore this idea. Which, but if, if they did, I probably would have eye rolled. If it was like, and uh, the solution is to destroy the hand. Break it. it. Was like, well, I would have loved to, if they did it. Like they're like, let's destroy it, you know. And that's actually not what happens, you know. Like like uh, they they yeah. break it and it still continues. And then yeah, but even that to end, me is expected. But then at the end, Mia is channeled through the other hand. You know what I mean? Mm, and you're like, okay. oh, it didn't work. And it's still going on. But I guess you're right. I guess it would have been, it would have been all the problems I said I had with this movie, where it's it all these the, it been, tropes yeah. that kind of exist in other yeah. It would have been the of, ring. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. It, that would have been um, stupid. But I thought that's where we <laughs> were going st- with it. It's not stupid. It's just, I feel like it's like, oh, yeah. I thought I was I like mean, they're gonna break it and then the other hands gonna appear at the end or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, or, they could have. They just never explored that avenue, which I'm like, I'm personally okay with. But honestly, it it did seem like it won't that burn. Could have. <laughs> yeah. Could have been where it was going. Yeah. 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 I do love the ending though, um, because it gives us. As well, one for one, a setup of a sequel, but also yeah. an unhappy ending. Like we don't get to see yeah. our hero live on. There is oh, sort of a shit. happy ending with at least uh, Jade and her family and Riley and healing and Sue being okay with everything. But um, and she sacrifices herself right for the sake of this family, which I don't know that I love people that much. From another well, here's my, here was my thing. This is what <laughs> I initially thought, but this probably isn't the case. But I thought maybe that she was so convinced that even though we, as the audience, probably knew that this this demon or whatever was impersonating her mother, 
in my mind, I was sort of thinking maybe she was still convinced that it was her mother and that she wanted to kill herself in order to be on the other side with her mother. I don't think that, I don't yeah. know if that is the case or if it seems like the consensus is that she realized that she's not her mother, but it's like, how would she know that throwing herself off was going to save him? I don't know. That yeah. part kind of confuses me. Or maybe she thought, oh, fuck, I don't know what she thought. Maybe she thought she'd rather suffer instead of Riley, or maybe she thought she would be at peace, and maybe if she killed herself, she'd be with her mom, or something like that. Either way, her ending sucks. Yeah, doesn't it feel like she sort of abandoned her friend if she killed herself? And he's, is he still going to be possessed? Like, How does she know this is going to work? How does she know this is going to work? And she might join him. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think there was, again... There's no rule book on this, so it, by her sacrificing herself, what does that? How does that mean that Riley's soul is going to be saved from all these goblins eating his? Soul? Well, maybe that is the logic. Maybe all those goblins are the ones that died from the hand, because yeah. But I what mean, is her sacrificing herself? How, what is that going to do? Because oh, she ends up in their universe, so it's like a swap. It's like now we have Mia, so we'll get Riley back. Yeah, but who made that deal with her? How does she know? It's just the an devil. Unknown. She just knew. <laughs> She just knew that this would work. That's, yeah, that's exactly it. I I just am glad to see, like, we got a happy ending, but the happy ending that's existing is in the background. And what is in front of us uh-huh. is the unhappy ending of Mia yeah. just being one of these lost souls wandering limbo, only getting an opportunity to, you know, trick-or-treat when somebody uses this fucking ceramic mummified hand. Yeah. Oh, I know. She's a tragic, tragic character. Who, yeah, has sort a tragic of, ending. Tra- a tragic character from beginning to end. Poor thing. She just wanted, to, she just wanted to fit in, and people were so mean to her. And I this know. is how she ended up. And seeing them at the end that way is sort of sad because she starts. I mean, the the banter that she has with that family unit is so nice in the beginning, and then we get the end where she yeah. can't be with them. They don't get to thank her for anything. They don't revive her at all. She's just dead. Not that it's 100% her fault, but it is a little bit her fault that Riley, you know, did the thing with the hand in the first place. So she does probably, she does have a little responsibility there. (laughs) Much like Evil Dead, you know, our actions, as far as what we choose to indulge in, does affect the people around us as much as it affects us. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought that scene was really interesting where she was like, you know, just come on, just let him do it. Just 50s. I felt like that was a very much a, a snapshot into the gateway that kids start doing drugs. But it's like just a little bit like like you you're, you sort of are convinced by people who will tell you just to do it a little bit. Yeah. And then, it, and then it develops in spirals. And like it's like, you know, somebody that might overdose on their first time or or might have a horrible reaction to it. But you don't you know, you don't know. You don't know. know. She had no idea. She thought it would be safe. It was safe for everybody else. But well, can you imagine how everybody's different in real life where you're doing a drug and you're like, it's fine, bitch, like take it. And they take it and they're actually like allergic or something or it's laced and they die. And you you have to live with that guilt for the rest of your life. Yes, exactly. And that's sort of where Mia's at. She's sort of in this responsible place. Like desperately searching for answers because she has survivor's guilt. Yeah. yeah, just uh, not That's only survivor's guilt. Character. It's like survivor's guilt, but also knowing that she was the one that 
gave him permission to do it. Ooh. Yeah. She kind of sucks in that scene. It's not that she sucks, it's just like... It's she let him do it, but then yeah. she also delayed his time to come back. True. Well, yeah, with, but, you know, she was sort of... She's a bitch. Sort of, <laughs> no, it, it sort of plays with you a little bit because you you understand that there are two sides of it. Like, this is somebody who's lost their mother, and she's... You know, can you imagine having the opportunity for, for a, you know, to possibly be speaking with a dead loved one when there's so many unanswered questions about the way that they passed and and so there's a part of me that sympathizes with her in, the, in that fact that she she held on too long but also it was it was a bit selfish but in the moment how do you tell somebody no when it comes to some somebody like their loved one like it i i, I think that scene was very brilliant because it did put us in the perspective of not not knowing what side to be on when it comes to the the responsibility we put on Mia and what happened. Yeah. Okay, I might have just had an epiphany. I think she maybe knew it was going to work to sacrifice herself because the intention that once she realizes that Rhea is not her mother, that it's the evil spirit. Yeah. Um, you. I think that there should have been some sort of recall that like, Rhea's motivation or what she was really trying to push Mia to do was to kill Riley to put him out of his misery I think that's even what she says so I think that that maybe plays into the logic a bit where they need someone to die to be to to, like you know give it up I guess it doesn't really matter though because she wasn't the one being tormented so how would her dying release him? That's what I'm saying that's that's the only part of the logic that I don't understand I understand maybe yeah the sacrificing herself and like they get a soul, but what is that? I, yeah. Meh. Who made the Who made the deal that if it's your soul that gets you know taken yeah. instead, he'll be set free. That's my only thing. Yeah, I would love to in a sequel see them just completely turn all these rules on its head, and be like, nope, actually, yeah. there are no rules. Yeah, ninety seconds. Yeah, who says it's actually zero seconds? And the second you do it, you're fucked. Right. And has this happened before? Where they know it's ninety seconds? Yeah, I guess. Because it did happen. After 90 seconds, he was being brutally butchered, damn near. Um, So, yeah. Mm. What are your final thoughts on this? Uh, My final thoughts is that I was very impressed by this film. I I honestly was kind of impressed that it was so good in a 90-minute runtime. Like, I I thought there was a lot. I thought it was good because it was really to the point. There wasn't a lot of... It didn't seem very much like a slow burn, even though, you know, it wasn't like, you know, action-packed, like, minute after minute, jump scares had, or something like that. I thought it had perfect but pacing. I thought it had perfect pacing. I thought it fit the 90-minute runtime perfectly and really was was spooky and poignant at the same time. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think it is one of the smartest um, horror films to come out in a while, uh, give or take a few logic things that were unexplained. But sure. I, I know I thought it was, I thought it was really good, and like you said, uh, for a not fun horror film, I think that it, uh, it really nailed it. So for me, this is a four out of five. Okay, yeah. I mean, essentially all the same things that you said. I do really enjoy this film. I think where it excels is its backstory for its characters and the performances that the actors give to those characters. Um, I do think that sometimes 
the classic tropes that they utilized were maybe out of place or I felt like they could have gone somewhere new with some of them and they kind of didn't but um but you know what works works and they knew that and they knew that we would subscribe to those it's classic yeah and a movie's got a movie and all of that you know (laughs) all of those things but um but really having an unfun horror movie that's story driven and character driven um you know they're hard to come by these days you know and so and they don't have a narrative that's you know kind of a mirror reflecting back to ourselves and that using possession in a in a fun not in a fun way but like in a way to replace drug use and addiction in a creative way yeah and dissociation and stuff like that and just the themes that this movie deals with i thought were really heavy and i thought the directing and the writing matched all of that so i i would do a four out of five as well that one star is just for like the muddiness of some of this sure logic. Uh, yeah exactly so the logic didn't play out completely but it's okay it's not a big deal i think four out of five is a really solid score for this really solid enjoyed it for any and, horror uh, film and, coming out these yeah, days exactly and i'm really excited to you know give it a couple of rewatches and um you know look, gather me more i've only watched this once and that's not usual for me with these movies. I usually try to watch them a few times. So maybe the next few times I watch it, maybe my perspective will be completely different. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, I do want to acknowledge that because horror movies do struggle with this. The pacing of this movie was absolutely perfect. It was. It really was. It was absolutely quick perfect. To the point. Yeah, there was one point I was like, I was like, in any other movie, like where we are in the story, this would be about an hour and a half in all you know but i was like oh yes. i was like we're already at this point and it's only 60 minutes in and i think that's perfect we didn't have that to- was tripping me out because i kept looking at where the bar was yeah. as the movie was playing and i was like what the fuck i'm like wow great job yeah great yeah. job what they were able to fit in that was perfect so kudos oh. to the the philippoo brothers yes good job philippus i can't wait to see what you come out with next um but as far as us we're packing up our shit and heading to the trailer park because next week we are doing rob zombies halloween universe oh god yeah we're doing halloween one and halloween two this is a request by frankie who's been wanting to talk about halloween two for some reason for forever and so um it's just so interesting. I can't wait to talk about... I'm really about excited to hear your theories on it. Where he started I have an, and where I have he not, went. I have not seen it in maybe 15 years. And so okay. I, I'll be revisiting it and yeah. um, seeing, seeing how it goes. It's not good, but I, I, I can't wait to d- discuss it in depth and actually see if like our minds change about some things. But Ooh, it's possible. Um, you know, Jake, he's not a fan of that subgenre of hillbilly. Uh, not the hillbillies, <laughs> which is so strange because I do love I do love the Devil's Rejects. That's my favorite Rob Zombie film, mm-hmm. and so I mean, I guess I'm not completely opposed. Yeah, but these are yeah these hillbilly ass movies. With the Halloween just, universe. Yeah, oh my god, they just make they just make me so I don't know, they gross me out. They make yeah. me feel dirty. I feel dirty watching them. Yeah, you have to scrub after. Oh, one hundo. Yeah. Okay, well that does it for talk to me and join us next week as we keep talking for some of our, you know, other movies that we have lined up in October. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, uh, feel free to head over to our Instagram. Um, you know, give us a follow, like if you're a new listener. Um, we have we love to talk to you guys. We we're very active in our DMs. 
Um, and yeah, you can contribute to the show just like they did today. Um, yeah, is- you can even support the show still. We may not be anchor bitches anymore because Spotify for podcasters took that over, but you can still support us by going to um, the link. If you're listening to this on Spotify, there's a link where you can support us. And um, if you go to, um, I don't know where else you can find it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen on Spotify. That's where we excel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, yeah, you can find us on any platform and don't forget to rate us. Um, we haven't had a rating in a long time. You know, we've yeah. been kind of obviously flying under the radar, so we haven't been at the forefront of people's minds. But it'd be I... fun to get a new review. Yeah. Just to see. So that means you have to gotta go back and listen to some of our older episodes yeah. and, and enjoy. Apple Podcasts, leave a review, tell us how we're doing. On Spotify, leave us five stars. Um, and then also, I was gonna say thank you for listening while we were gone because we've seen some of our yeah. numbers go way up on some on some select episodes but also like i was surprised to come back and log back in and see how much of a spike we got in our um what do you call those things when you stop doing something in our our hiatus hiatus. (laughs) yeah no i i think so i was very shocked you know in my mind i'm like you guys don't listen unless we are posting but i guess that's not true you know people are always searching for things and they you never know what they're going to come across i mean how many times have i just look for a random topic on podcasts and have come across things. So if you're one of those listeners who just happened to have come across us, welcome. And um, thank you for people who randomly listen to us. I mean, every day we were having listens and that was like mind blowing to me. Like it made me feel so grateful. I was like, oh, I was like people obviously still like new people are discovering us. And like, why haven't these bitches posted? Well, we're back and we're happy to be here. Yes. Um, we're excited to kick off spooky season. You know, October is always our um, most exciting. We month. haven't missed an October since. That's what's stayed consistent over here. We have not missed an October. Yeah, exactly. Since 2020. Of course, because it's our time. This is when we thrive. This is when we spread our bat wings and we fly. And spread our legs and yeah. keep a tree and do all that. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Pumpkin spices, pussy baby. Happy, Happy Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> but for now, our classic sign off as designed by the one Jake signs. Yes. Sweet screams, bitch. Bye. Bye.